Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. Everything meaningful in your life, there's a process around it. Everything meaningful. Who has, who's bought a house? Anyone buy a house? How many papers did you sign? I felt like Jose Canseco <laughs> signing autographs. I mean, this, I'm, I, I just dated myself there. <laughs> so everything that you do that's meaningful, there's a process attached to it. And sometimes the more meaningful the thing that you're doing, sometimes the longer, the more drawn out the process. I don't know if you've experienced that, right? Brett and Mary, they're adopting children from the poorest country in the world. You would think that once they find out that they're not serial killers, that they would, you know, make this happen, get them out of there. But yet, it's, it's a, a long and expensive and difficult and annoying process to rescue people's lives. So what is their intention? To take kids from literally the poorest country in the world to Upper Bergen County, which is like going from hell to heaven. And, and they want to do this out of the love in their hearts. Yet it's not easy. So just because you want to do something good doesn't mean it's easy or cheap or there will not be any resistance or everyone's going to then celebrate you. And then when they adopt those kids, people are going to look at them funny. And then they're going to have to learn to live with that. And then Mary's going to have to learn to live with a little boy peeing all over her seat. Two boys. Toilet. Two boys. Well, if you still do that, that's another situation. But, I mean, that is, who has children? Can I, can I be honest with you? you getting ready to go to the bathroom, drop a, drop a number two there, and you open the toilet, just piss all over the seat? That can really, really trigger you. You know, because it's like, what are you, raising animals here? So anyway, but, so my point here is now, what am I talking about? The process. Everything valuable. What if someone's going to get surgery? You got to get checked, you got to get clean, you got to get shot. The doctors put the thing on, they take you to a new room, and they go to another room, they cut you, they write a bill, they look at you, there's another bill. There is a big process attached to things that matter in your life. What about you, you get pregnant? You're a birthing person. <laughs> Otherwise known as a woman, right? So you get pregnant, and for a time you don't know you're pregnant. Then you're pregnant, then you know you're pregnant, then the thing takes over your life pregnant. Then you can't sleep the, the same, you're sleeping on your side, then you get a pillow. You put, so so there's a, there's a, there is a process to which this thing that is a life from the beginning then begins to take over your life. Right? So I'm trying to reinforce this idea because this is an important idea. Why? Because it is in our tendencies to want to evade a part of the process. Why? Because it's because the process causes me to have to learn patience. I don't want to learn patience. I want to hustle, grind, hustle, grind, do my thing. I don't want patience. But hustle, grind, hustle, grind does not produce patience. Part of the process in your life is learning to wait. This happens, you, you see this happening in uh, old school, who remembers, how old are you? Some of you are old enough to know this. Fred's older, Fred and Mary, Mary's pretending she's not that old. But remember when you used to take photos? 
and you get them developed. Remember that? You, you have to put them in, what, a dark room to be developed. So sometimes, listen, sometimes you're going to get developed in the dark. Sometimes God will use darkness to provide clarity, to show you how much you need him. You think because you can pay your bills you don't need God? The devil can pay his bills. That doesn't mean anything. That's not impressive. So now there's a process attached to this. So now this, this process you learn, God learns you to have patience. Because if you don't have patience, Jesus says you don't, with, with patience, you possess your soul. So if you do not possess you, you are in trouble because you will be possessed by something else. So if I don't have self-control, I will self-destruct. So if I'm not in control of myself, something else will control me. Are you, are you following me? Are you with me? Okay. So now God, what he does is he gives us a promise. That promise comes in the form of a prophecy, a dream, a vision, something that God drops in your spirit, something that God speaks to you prophetically through a reputable and honest source. And you get a confirmation that it's him. And what that does is you believe that. And so whatever you really believe, you begin to walk after, right? And that brings you into a process. And that process is the thing that God uses in your life to develop you. Now, here's what happens. Let's say I want to get myself out of the process because I don't like what's happening. Okay. Here's what you do. You delay. This is why you can go to church for five years, seven years, and be in the same place spiritually because you have evaded the process. So as soon as it gets hard, you tap out. As soon as someone confronts you, you tap out. As soon as you get corrected, you tap out. As soon as it's difficult, you tap out. If your feelings get hurt, you tap out. Okay, I'll go here, I'll go there. But you don't, that's the, the problem is not here or there. The problem is what is inside of you. That's the problem. So God is good to us and he orchestrates processes in our life to deal with us, to make us more like Jesus and to give us character so we could steward what he's giving us so that we don't break what, with our character what we built with our talent. It's very possible to, to have talent and to have gifting and then to break what you have built. Many of us have done it. It's expensive. It's shameful. It's difficult. It sets you back. None of us like that. God doesn't want that for you. So the faster way is actually the slower way. That's what people don't realize. When you get, when you get in a rush, listen, when you, I'm going to tell you because I know this firsthand. When you're going to do something dumb, physiologically, you know what starts happening? Your heart rate starts increasing. You ever do a dumb purchase? Hello. Yeah, you, you feel really good. You, and and you, I, listen, I, I've done a good one where you're like, boom. And then I've done one where I'm like, and you're like, you know that that wasn't smart. <laughs> Calling them, please cancel that order. My wife's going to kill me. You know, but, but your heart rate increases. So God within you physiologically put something within your central nervous system for you to know, uh, this isn't good. So some, maybe you go somewhere 
and, and you're looking at someone and you feel a sense of fear, or you feel a sense of something is not right, God may be alerting you spiritually that that is a dangerous situation. Evade that. You're not the solution to that. Sometimes you may feel fear because the enemy's trying to shut you down. That's why you have to cultivate discernment and be able to hear the voice of God so you should how, know how to move. But in the process of learning to walk with God, that's how we develop discernment, ears to hear the voice of the Spirit. Now, the process brings you into a, uh, the promise brings you into a process that prepares you for your purpose. Okay, I'm going to say this again. The promise brings you into a process that brings you in, uh, that prepares you for your purpose. So you have a unique purpose in the kingdom that I cannot fulfill, right? So my job is to help equip you to teach the word of God so that you are sensitive to where you are, to what you're doing, so that you can build your life on Jesus, you can build your life on wisdom, so that you can be an ambassador where God sent you, because where God sent me is not necessarily where God sent you. This week I have... I had an opportunity to really pour into pastors and a missionary. I had, I had a great opportunity. So the people that I'm reaching and the people that I'm caring for are not the people that you're reaching and they're not the people that you're caring for. So this is why getting equipped is, is important because you're going to step up to bat. I'm not going to be there. Your wife is not going to be there. Your mommy is not going to be there. So you have to get equipped so that when you have an opportunity for the kingdom of God, you can represent the kingdom of God. We do not represent ourselves. So if everything is about what we think and we feel, we, become, we, we get into a conflict of interest with the kingdom of God. As Christians, we do not represent ourselves. So our primary job and role is not representing me. So if, if you feel as if your whole primary goal is to build you and represent you and you, 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 that's a really miserable way to live, which will lead to depression and anxiety. You'll be miserable and people around you will be miserable. But if you embrace the promise that brings you into a process that prepares you for your purpose, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have supernatural energy, You'll have persecution, you'll have resistance, but you'll have the power to break through it because God is with you. Amen. See, that, that's, that's very different than you doing everything in your own strength. That is very tiring. That's why some people are so burned out because they live empty on the inside. And so everything is from their own strength. They do things based on resentment. Or responsibility, not joy and privilege, not joy and thankfulness. And so then other people pay for their actions that were done out of resentment. Don't do things for the wrong reasons. Okay, now, now God starts to cultivate something within all of us, which takes time. It, uh, you know, I know that we think that we're ready. <laughs> but just because you are willing doesn't mean you're ready. Some of us are crazy. Just because you're crazy doesn't mean you're ready. <laughs> so here's the thing. Willing, what does God do? God, there are situations in our life that God cultivates, usually through pain, which we're going to see today. 
is usually through pain. It's not usually like, oh, I woke up, you know, I'm feeling so amazing, Jesus. You know, I'm just amazing. And, and uh, thank you, Jesus, for making me amazing. And I'll just serve you because I'm amazing. No, it doesn't usually work like that. It usually goes, uh-oh, my marriage is on fire. Uh-oh, my children are suffering. Uh-oh, my finances got hit again. Uh-oh, I got a health situation. Uh-oh, usually there's, there's, there is something that comes in and presses on you to cultivate a little humility. A, li a little, let me hear what you got to say, Lord. Let me hear your perspective on this matter. Father, show me. Uh, and, and that is the thing that God used. You're going to see this in the life of Joseph. So just because you are willing... That's good. That's better than, my God, that's better than being unwilling. Praise God. I am so thankful for people who are willing, who want to serve the Lord, who love the Lord. There is a, a book called The Intercessor by Reese Howell. It's a, it's a classic old school Christian. If you're an old school Christian, you know about that book. If you're a new school Christian, you don't know about that book. So Reese Howe is the intercessor. So his whole mission in life is to pray for revival. And, and he prayed this prayer, like, if you're not willing, ask God to make you willing. So he prays basically his whole life for, like, a revival. The revival shows up and God tells him to leave. <laughs> Which is amazing. It's like, I know Jesus, and I know that's exactly the type of thing that Jesus would do. Like, it happened to Paul. The first time... Paul is finally doing well in Ephesus. God tells him, leave Ephesus. <laughs> it's like he had a mega church. He was doing well, finally happy, you know, and it's like he has to leave. <laughs> anyway, so this is something. Just because you are willing does not mean you're ready. So God's mission, not through you, but to you, is to make you ready. Here's how we know you're ready. You've been tested, and you have responded correctly, consistently, under various and sundry trials. The Lord will look at you and go, all right, you want to preach the word? Okay. I will hit your finances. Oh, you want to be an instrument? Of healing, you're going to have to walk through a tragedy. Not that I sent it, but I'll use it. Oh, 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 you, you, you think everything is all good? I'm going to show you how naive you are about Christians. Oh, you think that, 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 that just because they're nice and smile? Oh, no. And you, you will go through all types. And that people... You will try to bless people, they will curse you. You try to help people, and they will evade you. The most valuable thing that you do for people, most people will go like this. And God will put you through a process so that wherever the arrows are coming from, there's no, there's, there's no hole in your armor. You, it, it, can't, it, can't, it can't get through. And then, if that doesn't work, the enemy will go and he'll get people close to you. He'll attack your wife. He'll attack your children. He'll attack health. 
He will go at you to see if he can ruffle your feathers and if he can influence you. Because if he can influence you, you're not ready to be an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who refuses to be influenced by other interests. Refuses. You cannot be pride and an ambassador. You cannot be sensitive and touchy and be an ambassador. You cannot be worldly and lustful and be an ambassador. You have to let the Lord crucify you and destroy everything inside of you that will later destroy you. And that is one of the things that happens in the process because none of us come ready jesus was perfect fully god and fully man yet jesus learned obedience through suffering which means you cannot learn obedience outside of some measure of suffering so Something has no value if it didn't cost you anything. Many times it costs you, many times serving the Lord, this week I have found out in a fresh way, is simply inconvenient. It's simply inconvenient. Some people, they want to call and talk feelings. I'm not really feelings. To be honest with you, I'm not. But if I want to serve the Lord, I have to open up my heart and people have to have a safe place. The same way I can go to my pastor. Are you, are you with me? And I have a safe place. I have someone that I can run my problems by, talk about moves. I, can, I, can, I have someone to talk about everything with, thank God. Because I've surrounded myself with wise people who are older than me. So... I have to be then available to others. Why? Because God has done that for me. So it stank if I don't do that for people, if God did that for me. If I act like I don't got time for that and stuff, when, when, when I needed help, God sent people to rebuke me, to correct me, to chastise me, to confront me, to say, shut up, don't talk like that. Uh, everything I needed to be formed, to be ready for now, is a result of God's sending people to help. So now, now that I'm in that position, I have to make sure that I'm available for people but who really want help, not playing games. If you want to waste time playing games, wrong guy. But if you want help, right guy. If you want the absolute truth, the bottom line, I'm the right guy. If you want to play games, I'm the wrong guy because I don't play games. That's why I have a very healthy relationship with Brett, a working relationship with great mutual understanding. We're not, we're not into games. We laugh, we play jo jo you know, jokes and stuff. We're not into games. We're into like serious. We're grown men. We're not, this is not joking in games. So now, the process. Joseph's dream was a prophecy. Sometimes you have a dream and it's prophetic. Sometimes God is trying to show you something about the future, but you don't understand the purpose. You see it, you believe it, but yet you don't have understanding of it. So God wants to give you understanding because understanding is the thing that makes a spiritual encounter useful to others. 
Right? I'll give you an example. I was in Estonia. We were preaching. My wife lost a baby. Terrible situation. I have to get up the next day and preach and tell people that God is good when my wife loses a child in a YWAM base, which is a nightmare in and of itself. That's another story. And so I get woken up by an angel. I get hit in my side with an angel. Boop! Hits me. Like that, I pop up immediately energized and full of strength in my body, whereas before I had no strength left in me. I had no strength left in me. And I didn't know what that meant except God strengthened me. And David, my pastor, said, yeah, the angel came for the baby. See, I had an experience. It strengthened me. I got to get up the next day, preach. We saw miracles in the midst of, in the midst of our own little tragedy. We seen a guy, we prayed for a guy, his foot was swollen. He was at a drug rehab, a big Russian guy. His foot was completely, have you ever seen like cellulitis in the foot? It's incredibly painful. If you've ever had cellulitis, it feels like your hand is on fire. It's still, it feels like you're on fire and someone's banging your hand with a hammer. That's what cellulitis feels like. So the guy's got this thing in the foot. We pray for him. We pray for the guy, nothing. Nothing happens except he feels fire. And he's like, I'm feeling fire, but I'm not, we're not seeing anything. So we just left. I'm like, I just trust the Lord. I don't know what else to do. I'm, you know, I showed up, Lord. You know, I don't know what you want me to do. You know? So anyway, the next morning, the pastor of the place uh, Facebooks me. Duh, 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 duh. You don't know what happened, this and that. That guy's foot when he woke up went completely down to nothing. It's totally normal. Looks like the other foot and he has no pain. And he's like, you don't know how bad we needed to see this. He said, I needed to see this. We just had a lady in our church that was dying of cancer. Everyone was praying. Everyone was believing that she died of cancer. And like, I'm questioning healing. I'm questioning, and this is a Pentecostal. This is not a Baptist or whatever. This is like a spirit-filled guy, supposedly. He's really having a crisis of faith because they're not seeing what they're believing for. See, that's a major test. How do you respond when you don't get what your faith is hoping for? See, God is faithful even when you don't get what your faith is hoping for. That's a very important lesson. So this guy says me this thing, and I just start laughing. You know, I'm like laughing in my head. I'm like, this guy doesn't know. We lost a baby the day before. I needed a miracle. You understand? But see, this is part of the thing. When I explained to my pastor what happened, he had spiritual understanding. I did not have spiritual understanding. I had a spiritual experience. It was powerful. It was real. It strengthened me to continue on my mission. But he had understanding. See, understanding is, is different. It, it, it makes what you have useful to other people. Let's say I can give a great haircut. That's amazing. But can you teach other people to give a great haircut? You're good with money. That's awesome. I'm really happy for you. But that doesn't put money in my pocket. Can you teach me how to be good with money? That's the difference. Understanding is, is, a, is something that is, it, it elevates you, not to make you better than, but to help you come down to and serve people and draw out what God put inside of them. A man of understanding will draw out what God has put inside of you. Okay, now, 
we, we see the mercy of God all through the life of Joseph. You're, you're going to see this when we get into the scripture, that this is really the mercy of God. Let me give you an example. Joseph shares his dream with half-brothers, and Joseph is antagonizing his brothers. Joseph has favor. He's his father's favorite. He's got the coat of many colors. He's doing well. He's got his Versace jacket. But people are not into Joseph's jacket. In fact, they're not into Joseph. <laughs> and, and he, instead of having some emotional intelligence, which most Christians don't have, he, he really was just like, let me keep telling them about how amazing my dreams are. It's like, you come to me, you're struggling, and you know, like, I'm having the hardest day of my life, and I'm like, yeah, I just bought a boat, you know, in the Jersey Shore, and you're like, whoa, like, I hate my life, and, and I hate my marriage, and I'm like, yeah, I just bought an S500, I'm amazing, you know, like, and, and I mean, that's what Joseph is doing, like, He's, he's giving a bad report to his brother. No wonder they don't like him. <laughs> he's talking, he, instead of talking to his brothers, he's talking about his brothers. Instead of confronting his brothers, he's telling on his brothers. Then he has these, these dreams which are real. And just because he wasn't going to handle the dream well doesn't mean God wasn't going to give it to him. Because his foolish, youthful zeal is the thing that God used to cultivate wisdom through a painful and long process. Say painful, painful. and long. long. That's what happens if you're stupid. <laughs> so I can tell you that I've been stupid and I know about painful and long. Maybe some of you have a, a good, good degree in that. But now we're trying to evade that. We're trying to learn. So maybe we did that before, but let's not, let's not do that again. All right. His brothers don't like him, and God sends him off. That is the mercy of God. Listen to me. How are you going to live your dreams among people who don't like you? This is the, this is the thing that many people don't know. Listen to me. I'm going to use Isaac as an example because Isaac, we'll just use Isaac. Let's just say I really like Isaac. Brett really likes Isaac. DK really likes Isaac. Joseph really likes Isaac. Roshan really likes Isaac. And Jose really likes Isaac. Okay. So now we put Isaac in the middle of the circle. Okay. And now you have all these guys around him. And these guys are cheering for him. These guys want to see him succeed. These guys are like, all right, you know what, Isaac, I can help you in, in this area. And I go, okay, Isaac, I can help you in that area. Joseph says, you know, I can help you in this area. Now, Isaac is surrounded by help. So the people close to Isaac are vested in Isaac's success. This is the problem. Sometimes you are not close to the right people. The idea that you don't need people, that means you won't do anything. You'll pay bills and you'll die. But to, to do anything significant, imagine, imagine if Steve Jobs said, oh, I don't need people. He doesn't put this phone in your hands. You need people. Every successful enterprise, whether it is kingdom or the world, knows you need people. In fact, you have to keep good people around and your ability to keep good people around will determine the longevity of your success. Okay. So now God knows that his brothers 
are not going to bow down to him with him staying in that house. They're going to kill him. They're going to get rid of him. And that is the mercy of God. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't want to be around people that don't love you. I'm not talking about tough love. I'm not talking about people that confront you and tell you the truth. I'm talking about fake people or people that do not have your best interests at heart. People that will say, oh, you're mad at your wife? Let's go drink. Oh, you're, you're, oh, oh, you're tired? Okay. I got some cocaine for you. You're tired? I'll wake you up. I'll wake you up. You want, you want to wake up? Oh, oh, oh. Um, you're mad at your husband? He's a loser anyway. Leave him. Oh, you, oh, your kids are not listening to you? They're never going to listen to you. Get used to it. And you surround yourself by people that will speak death into your life, and then you, you wonder why, oh, my God, I got death in my front yard, death in my backyard, death in my basement, death in my mind, death in the bathroom. It's because of who and what you surround yourself with. So now the mercy of God on Joseph's life is to get him the hell out of that house because they don't like him. Excuse me for hell. To get him out of there. Out, out, out. Get out. That is the mercy of God. Listen, it may not feel like mercy when Joseph's looking up in the pit. When, when the Ishmaelites, you know who the Ishmaelites were? The Ishmaelites de delivered him to the Midianites. Let's talk about these, these, these people. Ishmael, Abraham did not make Ishmael. Abram made Ishmael. Ishmael was not a child of covenant. He was made outside of wedlock. He was transactional. And now the Ishmaelites are being used for transaction. The Midianites. Who are the Midianites? You're going to see. Listen to me. The Midianites are the people that come at harvest time to steal your harvest. That's where they came for Gideon. When Gideon, remember when Gideon's in the wine press? He is the guy that God chose because they couldn't rob his harvest. If you're a kingdom guy, if you're a kingdom steward, you cannot let people rob your harvest. You better hold on to that. Don't let no one rob your harvest. So now the Midianites are the ones that are bringing him to Egypt. So you have the Ishmaelites, the transaction of lust, of impatience, that whole. And now you've got the Midianites that they're going to show their cards later. They are the ones that come at harvest time to steal the harvest. Very important what you do with your harvest. You're going to see next week, we're going to talk about next week about the harvest. And about, this is it's very prophetic too, about the restoration of brothers and family next week. Stay tuned. Have you ever watched a show and it ends and you just want to hit the screen? So that, well, <laughs> okay. Now, Potiphar's wife, listen, this like gets novella-ish. Potiphar's wife, it says that Joseph was handsome and he had a good figure. So she had bad intentions for him. The mercy of God was for him to get the... And I can use hell in that way because the Bible says flee from immorality. Flee from it. In other words, do not put yourself in a frying pan. 
because you will burn. She was wearing on him and she was pressing him. You don't know how long he could have took that. It's one thing to say no once. It's one thing to say no a few times. It's another thing to be pressed and pressed and pressed. You may break. Now, you see that when Joseph was in the house with her, you see a principle. It was just him and her in the house. That's a no-no. That's unwise. The Bible says run from even the appearance of evil. I do not meet with women alone because I love my wife more than anything. I love Jesus and my testimony. And number three, I'm not gay. Yeah. Pastor saying, you put, you put someone in the frying pan. Listen, you put, are you? Oh, you're not. Oh, everyone's looking at me like. I got, I got a lot of children. children. I got the children all over running around. So, but the point is, you don't put yourself in a vulnerable position because you may come into contact with your humanity. David did. David wrote all the Psalms. He's great. You, you, you get upset at your husband, you go and you read the Psalms. You're having a bad day, you go and you read the Psalms. You're upset with your wife, you go read the Psalms. If you don't do drugs or something, you go, you find the, the voice of pain in the Psalms. You don't do that. That's what old school Christians do. You, you read the Psalms until you find something that resonates in your spirit, and you get start singing, and you start praying, and you start praying until you're singing. And you start speaking to yourself, and so that you, when the devil speaks to you, you're not listening to him. That's what old school Christians do. They don't go to the bar. They go to the Psalms. You find a voice of pain. You're having a miserable day. That's all right. Open the book of Psalms and start reading. You're going to find a miserable day. Out of 150 Psalms, there's 59 miserable days. 59 of them are lament. You will find a voice of pain that resonates with your spirit, man. Read it, pray it, sing it, believe it, and let it reshape your experience. You have to know where to go when times get difficult. Are you going to go to the word? Or are you going to go to the world? The world will thug you out and then put the video online and make a fool of you. The world will, will, will shame you. God will heal you and will deal with the pain. You cannot keep suppressing the pain and then think you're going to get better. It won't. That's how, that's how a, a little situation becomes a huge problem. So this was the mercy of God to get him out of Potiphar's house. Now, this is important. We're going to get into the Bible in a minute. I know you're like, when is he going to read the Bible? Each one of these journeys, there was an incredible lesson for Joseph preparing him for the dream that God gave him. Are you with me? So you may walk through a difficult situation God is preparing you. You may be partially the reason you're walking through the difficult situation. That's okay. God will still use that. You may be the full reason. <laughs> Maybe 100% you. And God is still able to take crazy and do something beautiful. Isn't that good? I mean, to me, that's good news. It's like I give you crazy and you give me beauty. I'm like, hey, this is a great trade. 
I give you ashes, brokenness, pain, uh, and you give me beauty. I'll take it. Okay. Now, Joseph, this is uh, Genesis 39. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of the Egyptian, brought him. Okay, so we read that. We read this last week, didn't we? Last week we went through chapter 40, didn't we? We stopped? Oh my God, I'm living in the future. All right. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of the Egyptians, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master. And his master saw that the, the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he do to prosper in his right hand. You think that you can't prosper in Africa? This is Egypt. You can prosper anywhere. There's winners everywhere. There's billionaires in Africa. There's, 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 there's money. We, we've seen it. We've drove by in a neighborhood in Kenya. I mean, there's people everywhere who learn how to make it work. They figure out how to make it work, and they work it. Joseph, the Lord was with him, and his hand prospered. So imagine being a, a slave and prospering. Now, you're going to see that Joseph comes into a position in Potiphar's house. This is important. You know what this is preparing him for? The palace. You, you, your, your upgrade comes in levels. It, it doesn't come like a lottery. If it comes like a lottery, it'll go like the lottery. It comes in levels and in measures. Your metron increases and God levels you up. It's called recompense. And he, le and he levels things. God so now, guess what he's going to learn? He's going to learn stewardship and self-control. Can I be honest with you? <laughs> I don't know anything harder except waiting. <laughs> and waiting is an expression of self-control. And it's, it's, now there's, there's two, there's, there's levels of waiting. Let me give you the levels of waiting. There's one level of waiting where you simply cannot. <laughs> For example, I'll give you an example. We'll just use this bottle of water. Let's just say this bottle of water is $25,000 and I need this bottle of water to be happy because I cannot be happy without this bottle of water. But I simply do not have $25,000. I cannot buy this bottle of French water. I cannot afford it, so now I gotta wait till I get the money because I'm not crazy, I'm not gonna put it on a credit card. I have to wait until I have the cash to buy it. And now if I have $25,000 to spend, that means I have to have a little bit of money on the side or if I spend all my money on a bottle of water, then I'm stupid and my wife is gonna kill me, right? But let's just say you have the $25 and you still cannot buy the bottle of water, that's a different level of waiting. That's a whole different ballgame. You're not waiting simply because you cannot. You're simply waiting because God told you not to. That's different. See, you, you will be, listen to me, you will be tested. You, you maybe don't like that, but you, you're, going to, you're going to come under tests to see 
what you are made of in the kingdom. You will. Because God cannot entrust someone with everything right away. That's why it's measured. So he's going to learn self-control and he's going to learn stewardship because he has a dream. The dream is that his brothers are going to bow down to him. But that's not some sort of a vindication proving that he's the favorite. There is purpose behind that that he doesn't see or understand. Many times we want personal vindication, but it's not personal. One of the things that the enemy tries to do is the enemy is, he's really good at, he does this in churches, marriages, families, and friends. He tries to make something personal that's not personal. That's how you know the enemy is at work. Now, if I say that you're a no good person and you're terrible and you're this and you're that, that's personal. But if I say something and it makes you feel a certain type of way, well, I love all you, but I'm not in charge of your feelings. Those are your feelings. And I'm married, and I'm not in charge of my wife's feelings either. So you're feeling a certain type of way. That's your feelings, not my feelings. So when something that is not personal becomes personal, the enemy is at work. Just to let you know that. that was, I was completely free. So let's continue here. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and put all that he had under his authority. He's learning how to be under authority, and he's learning about authority. If you cannot be under authority, you cannot have authority. If you cannot respond to correction, you are not ready to be a teacher. If you are not teachable, you cannot be a teacher. If you are touchy, you are not teachable. If you don't respond to correction good, you are not teachable. Which means you're going to learn the hard way. So here you have Mr. Someone trying to help you, and you're like, no, nah, I don't want to hear all that. Okay, God says, no problem, cool, got you. And I'll orchestrate a situation to smush you when I was trying to extend my hand to you. Either you humble yourself or you'll be humiliated. And being humiliated, none of us like that. It really, it really makes us deal with that little whatever is going on in there from childhood that wasn't dealt with. Okay, so Joseph found favor in his sight, served him. Made him overseer of his house and all that he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed it. The Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. So <laughs> the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had. Why? Because of Joseph. Because Joseph was faithful. See, this is, when I say stuff, I say something to Brett, like I'll say, ADP needs you. I don't say that to make him feel good. I say it because it's true. They need people with integrity. They need you at your job. Those men in your barbershop, they need you. They need people who are solid and steady and faithful. They need to see that because it's a witness to them. It's casting vision of the kingdom of God and what their life could be like. So the blessing of the Lord is on Potiphar's house for Joseph. This is what happens if, if you're not cognizant, if you're Potiphar. If you're Potiphar, you're thinking it's you. It's me. Joseph leaves and so does the blessing. <laughs> So be very careful. Sometimes you are getting something by an association 
if you break that association, you will no longer have access to what you are receiving by an association. That's another message. That's why being linked and associated to the right people is essential for your future. Do you realize that, let me, let me give you another thing. It is uncommon for a Hebrew to be the overseer of an Egyptian's house. That is not common. In fact, the Egyptians were suspicious of the Hebrews. So the reason that Potiphar put Joseph in charge is because Potiphar looked at Joseph and saw there was something different about Joseph. He did not have full language for it, but he saw that the hand of the Lord was on him. He entrusted him and he made him overseer or ruler over all that he had. He's training in Potiphar's house. Right now he is the manager because he's going to become the minister of finance in Egypt. But first he's got to be a manager of a household. Listen, if you cannot run a household, you cannot run a nation. Listen, if you cannot pastor your house, you cannot pastor a church. If you cannot teach your children, you cannot teach other people. If your wife doesn't want to participate with you, why should I want to participate with you? If your wife doesn't buy into you, why should I buy into you? If your husband doesn't trust you, why should we trust you? Right? It always, whatever's real has to start in the heart. And the first place it gets worked out is the home. So now Joseph is on the ministry school training in Potiphar's house, and God is merciful. He goes from his dad's favorite, his brothers hated him. He goes through the hands of the Ishmaelites, to the Midianites, to the Egyptians, then God gives him a little break. God is merciful in the training. It'll, it'll be 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. God, God will say, all right. All right, son, take, take a little break here. Let me, let, me give you, let me give you a little blessing here. I know, I know you've been, you've been under, under a situation here. Let me give you a break. So the, what is the break? The break is Potiphar's house. Now he's getting promoted, and now he's, he's living again. See, the uncommon favor that is on his life is visible, not just to his brothers, not just to his father, but now to an Egyptian man because the favor of God must materialize. People see it. Some people don't like it, but they see it. That's it. They see it. So now Potiphar is smart. Potiphar, listen, if, if Potiphar sees, okay, this guy's got it. Good. Why not use what he got for me? Potiphar's a businessman. Potiphar is in business. Are you in business? You are in business to make money. People are like, I don't want money. <laughs> Spend like 74 hours a week working for money. You like it more than you'd like to admit. <laughs> so, so now, Potiphar sees, okay, Joseph's trustworthy. Joseph is solid. Good. Let's, let's, let's put it all under his control. Now the blessing of God is coming on his house. Let, let, let's continue. Okay. Verse 6, then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. In other words, imagine trusting someone so much that you don't look into what they're doing. 
That level of trust is very rare. I think that I had it with maybe one person besides my wife where you don't look into what they do, you just trust them. That's not natural. And that is not culturally normative. That is not normal culturally because the Egyptians were suspicious of the Hebrews. This is a fact. You can do some historical research, you'll see. Okay. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So now, this looks like it actually, you know, handsome, that's good. That's actually a liability. When the Bible says that someone is handsome, it speaks of, Joseph, this is a liability because of Potiphar's wife. She's, she's you know, a cougar. <laughs> That's a liability. Then Absalom was very handsome. That's a spirit, but that's another story. He was very handsome, and Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else, and he was handsome. That is always in the scripture actually a liability. See, you have to listen. You have to know your assets and you have to know your liabilities if you're going to move with wisdom. So, watch what happens. And it came to pass that after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. Straight up, sleep with me. Boom. I mean, this, she's older. She's not playing games. Can I tell you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, oh my, oh my father in heaven. All right. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master uh, does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house. He wants to remind people, you know. This is, she's trying to sleep with him. He doesn't need to say that. You're going to see in his immaturity, he says stuff. It's not necessary. The more you mature, the more, you know, you have to like rein it in. Okay, help me, Jesus. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Da, da, da. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything back from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So this is important. Adultery is against God. You are not playing your wife. You are sinning against God. That's the bottom line. So, so you think that you're getting away with it, God sees it. People are playing with their salvation when, they are, when they're engaging in sexual immorality, which means sex before you're married, and adultery, which is sex with someone else that you're not married to. You are in the book of Revelation rolling the dice on your salvation. That's, that's biblical. The Bible says that fornicators do not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Bible. So this, our culture is light on that. We go, the church goes hard on gays and goes hard on trans, but the worship leader is sleeping with worship people. Not here, but I'm saying in general. <laughs> it better not be here. It better I just moved to Haiti. That's it. So anyway, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Now, do you see this day by day? That's not easy, man. Listen. One time, that's really great, but day by day? Now, if he would have did it, this would have been, this would have been really a problem because he could have been executed because that's seen as a power move. When, when you sleep with your boss's wife or your, or your friend's wife or you take your friend's girlfriend or you do something like that, that is, that is a power move. That is, that is about power. 
And the way that the Egyptians would have responded to that is with execution. Immorality is, is, is just, lead, it'll lead to death. It, it really can hurt you. But he learned how to say no. But you're going to see something here that I want to I show you here. Now, um, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she came, caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. The Bible says flee immorality. That's what Paul said. He doesn't say that for no reason. You've got to run from that because that can really get you. And it can get good people. It can get godly people. They got David. David was a man after God's own heart. That's why you can't play with that. Now, he made a mistake. The only one that was in that house was her. That's a big, big error. Big mistake. Do not meet with the opposite sex alone if you care about your salvation, your testimony, and your marriage. Do not do that. Don't do it. It's not wise. You may say, well, I have the liberty to do that, but you, okay. But let me, let me give you something about wisdom. Wisdom says, I will protect what matters most for things that matter less. I am not going to destroy my life and my marriage for some crazy lady that wants to be counseled. Because that's how it comes. It doesn't come like, oh, let's just have sex in the church building. It doesn't happen like that. It happens like, oh, you know, I need, I have, I have a problem, you know, my marriage, I have a problem, my family. And then, and then, you know, you start listening and entertaining something and, and that can really destroy people and good people, not people that wanted to do something bad. So you have to set standards in your life and in your marriage or else you can really hurt yourself in a way that you didn't intend to do. Okay. So now she was able to grab his, 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 his outer coat. You know what that means? I'm going to tell you what that means. He was too close to her. Listen, Potiphar has a big house. Big house. There's nothing that you can't say to me from here. <laughs> I don't got to be all up in your Kool-Aid, all up on you like we can talk right here. He was too close to her and he put himself in a vulnerable position. Now he looks guilty and in reality she's guilty. When I say things like sometimes perception matters more than reality, I say things like that because of the perceived, now she's got his jacket. How does that look? Now, that look, don't look good. And now, now in a day of social media, I have a friend that can, in a, in a video, I can pull the video out. He will cut you out of the video in real time and pull you out of the video in real time. So you know what that means? That means that I can put someone in a video who wasn't there. I can put someone right in the front seat of your car. Not me, but I, I have someone that can put someone right in the front seat of your car. This is the culture we live in. I say things such as a screenshot is forever because you don't know what people will, will save, will do, will use against you. So you have to be more than ever, you need wisdom and discretion. 
Don't be playing with, with, with your, your salvation. Don't be playing with your career. Don't be, be wise. I say that to you because I care about you, not because I'm trying to be religious and stuff. You, you have to be cautious because this is, this is the society that we're living in. Now, this is an ancient society. He was too close. She grabbed, she yapped his jacket, or his coat, whatever you want to call it. And that now makes him look guilty, although he's innocent. So you have, you have to be cognizant of these type of things because this is, this is how the enemy can, can... The enemy will always exploit our ignorance. Let's just say I don't know there's a no parking sign. That don't stop me from getting a ticket. The enemy will exploit our ignorance 10 out of 10 times. I didn't read the fine print. Now you owe 26%. Well, should have read it. The enemy will try to use ignorance to exploit us. That's what they do to the poor. That's why you go into poor neighborhoods. There's lottery, 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 lottery everywhere. You go to rich neighborhoods, there may be one lottery in the deli. It's not everywhere. You go to Haiti. You go to in certain countries. There's a little cement block building that you can fit maybe one person in. Maybe two people, two Haitians, one American. And it has lotto on it. And these, they're playing numbers. And there's poverty everywhere. That's a poor, that's, that's, that, is, that is geared toward poor people. All right. That called uh, the men of the house, and she spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew. Now, he's go now she's going to use his ethnicity against him. He should have been like, Wait a minute, I'm a Hebrew. I am in charge of this whole dude's house. The only one that's in that house is that woman. I'm not going in that house after she's been pressing him. I'm not saying he's guilty, I'm saying he's young and he's naive. Don't ever be naive to how sinful people are. The type of things that I've heard and seen, it doesn't surprise me anymore. I'm going to tell you like that. People are foul and people will do foul stuff. And I'm going to tell you the truth. If I wasn't a Christian, I would do foul stuff. Straight up. So I understand that that's how people are. And people are for themselves. And people will do what they feel that they want to do to get what they want. And they, don't, they will step on you to do it. You better see that. You don't have to live like that, but you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware because that's, people, people, that's how people move. She is not, you know what she's not used to being told? No. no. Oh, buddy. Let me tell you something. Most people cannot handle no. Oof. You want to get the devil out of a child? You want to see a child manifest demons? No! They, they'll get mad. My little guy want to fight. I mean, he, he will. He'll be ready. No, you're not. Oh, no, no. Your feelings, your tears, and, and my decisions are not on the same server. You cannot manipulate me. I am your father. I'm not, I'm not your friend. My dad used to be like, I'm not one of you want to be punk friends, bro. I'm your father. Have a little respect. Listen, I, I'm your dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, you cannot manipulate me with tears. I've, I've tried it, you know. So now she's going to use 
his ethnicity. Now, he, that now, now Joseph, oh, he's trying to mock her, but she's the problem. And look what Potiphar's got married to. See? Potiphar's got money, he's got a house, he's got everything, but he's got nothing because he's not aware of what's in his own house. He came to me, lie with me. I cried out with a loud voice and it happened when I heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until the master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us. Now, now he brought her. So it was his fault. And, and he is the problem. And his ethnicity is the reason when she's the problem. People who are the problem always point the finger that it's other people. It's you. It's that. It's, no, 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 Potiphar. It's your wife. She's the problem. Now, Potiphar, she's going to tell you that she's the problem. And you know, I can, you know, I can tell that, that she controlled him because she wasn't used to hearing no. You can't say no to your own wife or your own kids. You're not ready to lead nobody. And sometimes your wife needs to tell you no. And that's what I respect about my wife. She's very respectful, but she has anti-lock brakes. And I'll catch a whiplash. I hit my head on the windshield by her, you know, her jamming me up here. But it's because she's smart. She doesn't operate on feeling. She operates on principle. So no is a very powerful thing that you need to learn how to say to yourself and also is something that you need to learn how to say to your husband or your wife or your children. No, I am not going to do that. That is not best for us now. We're going to wait on that. Or this is, this is important. So people who are spoiled and entitled cannot hear no. So no triggered her. Because she's used to manipulating and getting her way. And the greatest thing that she has to throw at someone is her old self. And he said, no. How you like them apples? And you know what? Women are not, I'm sorry, I don't, know, don't get mad at me, ladies. But women are not used to hearing that. Especially women who are better looking than average looking women. If I can say it in a nice way. I try to say, like, how do I, how do I say this? <laughs> Extra beautiful women, that's a nice way to say it, extra. If you are extra beautiful, you are even more not likely to hear no. And that is so powerful. That is more powerful than punching Mike Tyson in the face and Mike Tyson going, oh, you know, I don't want to fight you. Mike Tyson will kill you. You better not punch him in the face. But to say to a beautiful woman, no, it's like smacking a boxer in the face and having him go, we're good. Because they are not used to that, and that is important. No. All right, I'm done with no before I get myself enemies here. So it happened, as I lifted my voice, he cried out, okay, boom, boom, boom. Then Joseph's master took him. At, your servant did this after this manner, that his anger was aroused. So now her husband is triggered, but he's triggered by a lie. His wife 
is lying to him. Let me just say one thing to you. This is difficult to say, but when someone tells you something, it's your job to discern by the Holy Spirit and with his help, is what they're saying to you true? Is it half true? Yesterday I was listening very carefully to a situation and I said, okay, I got there, there, there there's something in there and you got to listen real careful to make sure what being presented to you is indeed accurate. So you have to listen. You got to really be sensitive. Now he's being triggered by something that is simply and clearly not true. And now he reacts out of anger to something that is not true. So he really, can I tell you who really is the sucker? Can I tell you who's really in bondage? Not Joseph going to prison, Potiphar living in a prison. <laughs> Potiphar lives in a prison. It's decorated. He got people serving him food, but he's living with a crazy woman. It's sad. So now... Uh, then Joseph, master, took him, put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. The Lord, do you see that the Lord is with him every now, now, let me say this. Him getting up out of that house, that might have saved his life. Because what happens if Potiphar comes home and he's banging his wife? I know you, we don't talk like that in church. But let's, let's, let's Jerry Springer it. He's banging a dude's wife. <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad. My bad for being honest. You know, he's banging a dude's wife. Now Potiphar comes in and Potiphar's like, yo, I'm going to kill this guy. And Potiphar now kills him. And then the dreams are dead because he couldn't control his loins. Not controlling the loins will kill your dreams. You think it'll fulfill your fantasies? It'll kill your dreams. All right. That was three. Thank you. Thank you, Sorbel. Okay. So, the, okay, now, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners who were in prison. What the heck? This guy shows up. You know, it's like you show up to prison, they give you a check. This guy shows up. People, this is what happened with favor. People just trust you. You can never exploit that. You can never use that for your own personal gain. You have to steward it. It's something. It's a currency. It's a form of currency. Think of it like euros or yen or whatever you want to call rupees. You, it, it is a form of currency. You cannot use it, but you have it. And if you need it, you got to use it wisely for the Lord's purposes, not for your personal gain. You cannot abuse Asking power. Okay. So he's in prison. He has favor. The Lord is with him. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Do you know that you can prosper in Africa? Do you know that you can prosper in a prison in Africa? Because that's where he is. People don't need pity. They need wisdom. People need opportunity. They don't need pity. They need opportunity. So now 
Now he's going to learn how to steward. So what did he learn in, in Potiphar's house? He learned how to steward his sexuality, which your sexuality will be tested. Okay? And he learned how to steward resources that were not his. This is important. He's going eventually, eventually you're going to see him break out of this prison. And from this prison, he's going to the palace. And it's the prison that prepares you for the palace. Potiphar's house was a repose and a time of rest and a time down. Did you know that he was, you're going to see, he was with Potiphar about 11 years. Imagine being with someone for 11 years, someone that the blessing of God is on your life, and they get rid of you because they got a nasty wife. That's the thing. If, if, and this happens in the ministry too. If a, if a dude's wife doesn't like you, you're in trouble. You're not coming back to preach. <laughs> if you go and you preach in a church, if you're a pastor, you go and you preach in a church, and that wife don't like you, you're probably not coming back. Because he got to live with her, not you. So, now he's, now listen, look, watch what Potiphar did. Potiphar married a liability. Joseph was an asset. Use your head. Do not get rid of an asset for a liability. Do not let go of a greater relationship for a lesser relationship. Do not let go of covenant in history for, for someone a little bit younger. You hurt yourself like that. And then, then you engage with the younger one and you go, she's even more demented because she likes you. And you're married. Yeah. And, and she, will do, she will drag you away from your wife, which means she'll play you out. She'll play you out. You'll be paying child support on a kid that's not yours. You'll get played out. Kiki will take you. You'll be in the, you'll be in the, in the fetal position in the shower. You'll be crying in the shower. She did it to me. Don't do that to yourself. That's bad. That's bad for, that's bad for business. Don't do that. So now, so he, he gets into the prison. I, can you give me a few minutes? Brad wrote yes. <laughs> We're settled. All right. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker and the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two servants, uh, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody, the house uh, of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them, so they were in his custody for a while. So now Joseph is managing the prison. So he's learning how to manage people. And can I tell you one thing about people in prison? Generally speaking, we're going to talk about generalities. Generally speaking, people who are in prison are not easy people to manage. <laughs> okay? If you ever been in Central Bookings, you know. If you ever spent a little time in Bergen County, you know. If you ever been locked up, you know. If you ever visited people, you know how people who are locked up are usually locked up for a reason. Now, some people go there because of injustice. But generally speaking, people are not easy to deal with when they're in prison. 
So now the king doesn't like him, throws him in prison. Okay. Then the butler and the baker of the king who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked the Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look sad today? This is important. If you're a leader, if you're a manager, you have to be able to look at people and go, you ask your barber, hey man, you're all right. You don't, you don't look too good today. You need a hug, brother. Well, you, you need like, you know, a cup of coffee. Talk to me about it. What do you, what do you need? You all right? He's able not to be focused on himself. You know, he can be like, oh, I'm in a prison. Poor me. I'm a manager of a prison. What a loser, you know. But no, he's not looking at himself. He's not looking at his shattered dream and broken, you know, broken dreams. He's looking at the person in front of him. That's where ministry starts with the person in front of you. He goes, hey, man, you look sad today. Are you all right? That's leadership, to be able to see people. That's important. You want to lead a team? You got to be able to see people. You want to lead teams? You got to see people. You want to lead leaders who lead teams? You got to be able to see people. Your ability to lead is also determined by your ability to see people. How can you lead someone you can't see? That's important. You got to see where people are at. Okay. And they said, each of us had a dream and there's no interpretation. Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me. We're going to get through this and we're going to be done. Then the chief butler told Joseph the dream and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches as, it, as though it budded, it blossomed, shot forth, and clustered forth ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed them in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. In three day, uh, the, the three branches are three days. Now, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to uh, the former manner when you were butler. So he, he has a dream. He's going to be restored to his position. That's what the dream is. That's what the interpretation is. So he's saying this. So this, this is clearly what is happening, as you just heard. Okay. But now watch what he's going to do. He's going to butt. Watch the butt. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. You see the me? Me, me, me. He just used his gift with me, me, me. Oh, oh, young prophet. <laughs> Young prophet, oh, guess what? Two more years. That's what's going to happen. You'll see. Two more years in the slammer, pal. You're not, you got a gift. You know it's from God, but you're focused on me. You're trying to get yourself promoted, which means you haven't learned how to wait. The other day, the Sarah School contacted her. They put $2,600 more in her pocket she didn't ask for. She's not seeking a promotion. She's seeking faithfulness. And ultimately, that benefits me because if she's doing well. <laughs> see that? That's why I pray for every day. Me and the kids pray for her. Pray for your, your wife like your life depends on it because it does. Pray for your husband like your life depends on it because it does. I mean, pray. I pray that God would give her favor, that God would give her increase, that God would give her abundance, that God would open doors. Why? Because the easier and the well, it's doing well for her. Guess who it's doing well for? There you go. We got it. We got it coming. He already knows. 
It's a true story. I can flow if she's doing well and I'm doing well and we're doing well. Guess what that means? Guess who's doing well? Our, our ecosystem. The three amigos. Now the three amigos are doing well because they're living in an environment. Okay? Now, but remember me. <laughs> when, <laughs> remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. <laughs> Me, 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 me. Okay. For indeed, I <laughs> was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing wrong uh, here that you should put me into the dungeon. Oof. Too much I, too much me. Guess what's happening? We're going to orchestrate <laughs> the crucifixion. <laughs> okay. When the chief butler saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I was also in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost uh, basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them, uh, and the, the, the birds ate the baskets out of my head. Uh, the birds ate out of the baskets on his head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you, and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Whoa, that's not a good prophecy. Imagine you're standing in the prayer line. Yeah, we're about to die. <laughs> it's like, it's like, now, this is rough. Here, why is this rough? Because, you know, the Egyptians, the way you wrap a body in ancient culture would, would in their mind, determine how they're going to experience the afterlife. So it would be like me telling a Christian, you're going to die and go to hell. Praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> hey, pal, remember me when you get out of here. You're going to die. <laughs> so now here's, here's, okay. But here's the thing. What, what is the thing? The thing is that when you are a messenger of God, you don't pick and choose the message. You have to be faithful to deliver a good word. And you have to be faithful to deliver a hard word. Because now this guy had three days to get his soul right. He had time to pray to the God of Joseph. He had time. He had time. Time is a gift. Not everyone gets time. Imagine if you knew in three days you would leave this earth. In three days you would leave this earth. What would you do with those three days? You wouldn't be going to work hustling 18 hours a day. You, you would make some things that are wrong right. You make some things that are not right, right. That was a gift from God, even though it was a hard word. Even a hard word is a gift from a good God. And as a messenger of God, you have to be willing to give it as it comes. Now, it came to pass on the third day, which Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler uh, and the chief baker among his servants, then he restored the chief butler to his position again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Watch this. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. We're going to continue this next week. I mean that. I'm not, I'm not preaching anymore. But this is what you see in partnering with God. 
three times, four times rather, in Genesis 39, we see that God was with Joseph every step of the way. Every step of the way, God will be with you. That's one. Two, God used his immaturity and zeal to help him grow in humility and wisdom. God uses the willingness and the zealousness to produce something in you that is of humility and wisdom. God uses willingness to break his will and to teach him that promotion comes from the Lord. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do your best and do your part. I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard. But if you believe that promotion comes from you, you will, you will be your own God. If you believe that promotion comes from your boss, your boss will be your God. And you will put things in a position that they don't deserve. Whether it's a person, whether it's money, whether it's you will hurt yourself with that. Period. Now, God isn't just fulfilling a man's dreams. He is saving the world. He's saving a nation. He's saving his people and restoring a family and keeping his promise to Abraham. Remember his promise to Abraham? His promise to Abraham was you're, you're going to be as your descendants are going to be as multiple as the sand on the seashore. But he also said that those descendants are going to go into Egypt. They're going to be strangers. They're going to serve them. And in 400 years, God will judge them and bring them out with great possessions. Remember that? So all of the, the, the dream that Joseph has is in the context of the dream that is in the heart of God for all of the families of the earth to be blessed. And this seed has to be preserved. So Joseph is not going to die. He's going to live and declare the works of the Lord. And he's going to do the thing, but he cannot make the thing happen. And what God is going to make happen for Joseph is greater than what Joseph could make happen for Joseph. And every step of the way, Joseph is learning how to manage his, how to, how to, how to, how to be a steward in Potiphar's house, how to manage his sexuality in Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife. Then he's learning how to use his gifts. He's used to, he's learning how to care for people that other people don't care about. He's learning how to deal with difficult people. He's learning how to use his gifts when no one will recognize him with no offering attached to it, with no recognition, with nothing. For, 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 he's learning how to give a word that is favorable and a word that is difficult. He's learning, but he's still immature. He's not dealt with by God. He still wants to promote himself. If you want to be promoted, you are not ready to be promoted. Anyone who understands what promotion really is, it means that you get to deal with more people's problems and more complex problems. That's what promotion means. Oh, you're solid? Good. Good, Peter. Now you get to strengthen your brothers because you failed and looked like a failure and I restored you. Now, you, hopefully you have a little humility, a little bit of wisdom, and now you'll be able to strengthen other people. Because you know what it feels like to fall. So this is, this is uh, God is now taking Joseph through this process. This is very important. Problems are often, this is encouraging, don't worry. Anyone got a problem? You're like, I married a problem, you know. Whatever it is, don't listen. We all have problems. 
Everyone here has problems. Everyone here. You, you, I have problems, you have problems. Okay, problems are often how God moves the mission forward. I don't know if you saw that. His brothers don't like him. No problem. God's like, we'll sell them. We'll move him on in my purposes for him, which we're going we're gonna to show you that next week. Oh, Potiphar's wife, she got a problem. She, she you know, she like young boy. She's got a problem. She's like the younger. Cougar got, okay, no problem. We'll get him the heck out of there before he loses salvation and gets his head chopped off. We'll get him the heck out of there. So his brother's problem, you know, his dad had a problem. It started with his dad. Oh, the daddy issue. You don't think the daddy issue runs deep? The very foundation of all of Joseph's problems are his daddy. <laughs> People don't forgive their dad. They'll never get rid of the anger. You don't forgive your dad, you'll never get rid of the anger. People like the anger because the anger makes them feel safe. It's like having a blade that nobody knows about. But you, you got to get rid of the anger so you can get free. So the, the problem started with Joseph's father. Joseph's father liked him more than his other brothers. That creates strife in a house. That creates division, competition, and contention. That's not how you, that's not how you flow. That's not kingdom. God is not a respecter of persons. So his problem was his dad liked him. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes your, your greatest asset is also a liability. Like Isaiah, he had a big mouth. He speak a lot. He talk, talk, talk. That was his biggest problem. And God had to touch it with coal and cleanse it and sanctify it so he could first, he could use it. So that's what sanctification does. It, it, it would transform a liability into an asset. That's why you have to embrace the process. See, the process is about sanctification. It's about him being set apart for the purposes of God. Now, Potiphar's wife's problem. That moves Joseph on, right? Guess who's about to have a problem? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. And, and let me tell you something. Pharaoh, sometimes, you're going to see next week, needs to be told what to do. Who's ready to tell Pharaoh what to do? Yeah. Some people need to look Pharaoh in the face and tell Pharaoh what Pharaoh needs to do. So we're going to get into Pharaoh next week, but every time, this is the beauty of it, this is exciting, every time there's a problem, here's God. No problem. Let's move the mission forward. Oh, this is another problem. <laughs> okay, great, let's move the mission forward. To me, that's very, I don't know if you feel encouraged by that, but I look at that and go, man, so, so you mean to tell me that God can take a problem and use it for his own purposes and plans. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So that's good. That's good news. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that you are able to use our craziness, our brokenness from our family of origin. You are able to use other people's situations, issues, sinfulness to bring us forward in the purposes that you have for us, God. And so I ask you that everyone here, Lord, would be able to come forward in the purposes that you have for their life, that you would bring marriages forward, families forward, individuals forward, in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church Podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.